What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. It's a big week. We actually have a real-life football game to discuss that will count. And so me and Hunter are both here, and we are both fired up. Uh, We're going to talk about the uh, depth charts that were released um, earlier today and then go into this Houston matchup and the ins and outs and everything we think and eventually give our predictions. So uh, without much more talk, here we go. Hey, before we get to the podcast, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor, Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. They're the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts can help find the best mortgage solution for you. They can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. They have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process online, and it's easy, and and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. They can be reached at Raider at primeres.com, through the website at www.lendingwithpassion.com, or by phone at 214-736-9466. So get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. All right, finally, football season is here. We actually have a game to talk about this week. We've actually been talking without pressing record for about 20 minutes. That's just how excited we are. So, Hunter, what's going on? Pretty excited. Hope we get a win, right? I mean, yes. It's, uh, it's, it's scary, just this game, because there's so much riding on it, it feels like. And, it, and it's almost uh, – I'll be excited if we win, obviously especially yeah. being there and then just the aftermath of the win. But, but it feels like the level of joy from winning won't be anywhere close to the amount of despair <laughs> should we lose. Right. So it's like from yeah. a, from a betting standpoint, we're not, we're betting a lot to win a little. That, maybe that's just me though. No, it's a very weird game because I post somebody posted that like a loss would be devastating. Like it would ruin the season. And and like the smart part of my brain reads that and says, no, like a week one non-conference loss actually does nothing really. I mean, we're, you know, we're not going to go to the playoff. We're not like, so it, if, if your goal is just to win eight games, make a bowl game, a week one loss doesn't, to a non-conference opponent doesn't really do that much to your goals. And yet, like you said, your feeling after a loss to Houston would be probably because all those other goals seem so unrealistic now. It just seems like, let's just stop the season now. Like, what are we doing? Fast forward to basketball season or whatever. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, yeah, there is that element to it that it feels like, you know, we're, can gain not very much and could lose a ton. Should yeah. we? Should we lose? Well, and and I, think, really, I mean, it's. I think we'd be naive to think whether it's stupid or not. Like realignment kind of hangs over this game. 
I don't really think it ultimately matters like one football game, but the perception and then the whole talk of like, is Houston actually a better ad than Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU, some of these power five teams that have been, I think just that whole shadow makes this game even more nerve wracking. I agree. Yeah, exactly. Even yeah. though I don't, I don't know if you agree or disagree. Like, I don't think it ultimately matters, like one game, but just the idea of it. Yeah, the one part game part doesn't. It does just to the extent that it is a winnable game, and there are not a ton of those on our schedule. We've got to capitalize on them. It would be it's bad, but I see what you're saying. Like, you know, it's not a conference game. It's the first game of the season. We've lost. I mean, the best season we had in the last. Uh, 11 or 12 years we lost to U of H. Yeah. 2009. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They, I didn't realize this. They had beaten in Stillwater. They beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater the week before that. Who we did or Houston did? U of H. We had lost to UT in Austin the week before. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that either. In a game that was close. So I was there. So that Houston team was pretty good. Yeah, they were. How'd they end up? I don't even know. <laughs> I, I think they maybe lost one more game. Yeah. After that. But it's kind of like we talked about this last week, like when we said we hadn't watched Houston. And I've said it a few times on the site. Like I've seen worse tech teams beat better Houston teams. And so it's 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 easy for me to be confident going into this game because I think I think this is the first time in a like I think tech is noticeably better. And yet, as we were talking about before we hit record. There's not much that would show that tech is actually noticeably better. So that might, maybe I'm just a homer. I don't know how to, I don't know how to make that, how to square that in my mind. Like we're actually very similar in almost every metric. According to, yeah, no. If you look at uh, anyone who's doesn't have a dog in the fight and that thinks they have a clue about making projections for all the teams in college football, uh, almost to a T, every single one of them has Tech and U of H equal. And we were talking earlier, that is, in my opinion, that is what is leading the line to be what it is. So it's pretty much a pick them. Um, with, I, yeah, I guess we, we were favored by one or one and a half. But, um, and after some, and we'll get into it in a second, having looked at their, their team in more detail, there, there's a lot of similarities. And I, I do see, you know, I think they're much better than our fans on Red Raider Sports are giving them credit for. Yeah. Because um, if but, you know, they, they do have a lot of old – they just, they're like us, they have a lot of older guys, uh, and they've got a good defensive line, which yeah. is kind of scary. I didn't – just before we get into it, though, we are uh, – what do you think – I'm not going to make you guess, but we are 15-3. and three against former Southwest Conference teams since we joined the Big 12. It's pretty good. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have guessed that. Three and one against U of H. And I think like our the last – or maybe like seven and one or eight and one against U of H, the last nine times we played them. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what I mean. Like, what was it, two years ago we played them in Houston? Like, that could have easily been a loss. That, that game where we scored like – 60 I mean it was a shootout the whole game and then we pulled away at the end in Lubbock I mean that was that one could have gone either way to me like that was those were two games where our defense wasn't very good and so I you know I almost just feel like our defense is much improved from those years 
And if Shuck is who we think he is, you would think Tech comes out on top. But it's like we were talking about, we're actually very similar. Like we pulled up f- football outsiders ratings. Offensively, they have Tech ranked 62nd, Houston ranked 63rd. Defensively, they had, hold on, let me pull it up. I think we were 52nd. Defensively, they were 52nd and we were 53rd. So we were one spot ahead of them on offense and they were one spot ahead of us on defense. So, I mean, we were about as close as two teams can be according to, to their analytics. Yeah, and it's, you know, the connections, I, I obviously knew there would be some with Dana having coached at Tech and been at West Virginia. But he – so he was a coach at Tech when Cumbie and Fulani played. Um, he was the head coach at West Virginia when Patterson was his defensive coordinator for a year or two years, actually. Then, then Brandon Jones is their offensive line coach, and he obviously was at Tech. Uh, Jones and and Tomerdahl were on, I believe it was Sonny Dyke's staff at Cal. Uh, so there's a lot of connections there. Yeah. Um, and an, then, air, an air raid reunion. Yeah. Although Dana is has had our number, it seems like, and and it, he's not he's changed his offense a ton. It seems like over the years. And yeah, I would I almost say like who who is his defensive coordinator at West Virginia? Uh, it's a uh, at West Virginia, or is it the same one he has now? Let's see. No, he had a the guy. His coordinator now was a coach at West Virginia. I'm not sure if it was a uh, defensive coach. Seems like Belk, Doug Belk is his name. Oh well, whoever the his I would say like it's less Dana having our number. Like I think that guy who ran that. It is not. It is not the defensive coordinator that he had at West Virginia. Okay. It was the cornerbacks coach at West Virginia. Okay. The West Virginia defensive coordinator, when he was there, I would say he had our number. Like we, I mean, we, uh, Iowa State gets a lot of credit as they should, but West Virginia could stop a cliff offense just as easily, it seemed like. And, and it was, I mean, they were just physical. They could get to the quarterback with three, but sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, no, I don't know. Um, I get you. So I, I posted about it, but. You want to talk about our depth chart first? Yeah, that's, yeah that's good. And, it, you know, I mentioned this. I, I, I really like that, and I guess we'll do the disclaimer that it's a week one depth chart. Although I went back and did just a brief scan of prior week one depth charts, and, like, it's very accurate in terms of the guy that plays the most snaps at that position throughout yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah, I would say the, the starters for sure. It, those And you, since you looked back, you may know, but those guys, the second name, to me, that's way more fluid than the than the first name on that list. Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed like it was like 70% of the time. And that's some of that is injuries too, uh, coming in and like playing a role. But it was like about 70 to 80% of the time, the guy who was listed first played the most snaps at that position. But for whatever, for what that's worth. But anyway, so I really like that Dunlap and Rayshad Williams are listed at co-starters yeah, uh, yeah. at the other cornerback spot. And I guess, and I think that will be the uh, boundary corner or the one closest to the sideline. Right. That's at least my understanding. I think Demarcus is the fields is the field corner. But right, yeah. Um, but I. You know, Adrian Fry is good. I mean, he's been around a long time. He's he was 
2018, the best we had. Okay. He's an incredible back third stringer, backup, whatever. Yeah, I mean, and there's been a, kind of a lot of um, interviews this fall talking about how well he's played, and uh, it certainly sounds like he's put himself in the mix and not done anything to hurt himself in terms of competition at cornerback. Yeah. And these transfers that came in, one of them, Dunlap, who didn't play in the spring uh, and haven't been here a, a whole, whole lot, I have our co-starters at one of those spots. And I, I, to me, that's like very encouraging just that they were able to do that. I think it would have given me some pause if Fry was listed as a starter and they were behind him yeah. in terms of just my expectations for them this year. Yeah, basically saying we haven't improved that spot, essentially. Correct. Yeah. That, that was So that was one observation I had. Uh, you know, in like 2018, I, I look and it's our, our most played – snaps in the secondary is demarcus fields was number one and fry was third and i mean i think it's very very possible that neither of those guys are in the top three this year i I would say fields will be but i mean i think you could easily have i think it could be waters and monroe as one and two and i think reggie pearson might be in there too yeah uh and then then you you have fields and whoever's at this other corner spot it just kind of shows you that (laughs) the best guys we had in 2018. Okay, this is like three years ago. Yeah, right? are are still on campus and and not in as big of a prominent roles as they were, or at least maybe they're not. You know, we don't need them to be yeah. to have to play that many snaps. And they've improved. Uh, I mean, we don't want the 2018 version of those two guys. Well, maybe was that the year Fields was a freshman All American? But either way, right, <laughs> I mean, right. you know, yeah. the defense was so it was a lot worse than than it is now, and so. You know, you'll you'll take that improvement. Um, so the, then, our of course linebacker. Um, oh yeah, and, and I, it really surprised me going back and looking at the number of snaps from linebackers that we've needed over the years. And yeah. you know, it's I think it's a maybe a bad to use prior tech defenses as a barometer for like what how many you should have, like how many linebackers should play over X amount of snaps, like you know. Tech might not be a good good example of that because we just haven't had many guys. But yeah. um, but I think just the nature of playing in the Big Twelve, you don't you don't have as many on the field as you as you did twenty years ago, or maybe in the Big Ten, or even like the SEC. Yeah. But um, I, it surprised me that two years ago, because I didn't really look at last year. We only played ten games, but you know we we basically just played three linebackers. Three had over seven hundred snaps, which is probably way too many. Uh, one of the one of those three, of course, is, was Rico. Um, but and then the fourth most snaps by a linebacker was Braden Stringer at 82 snaps, and that which is basically a non-roll. Yeah, and he's not on yeah. the team anymore. I mean, three. We played the whole season with three linebackers. That's and like, insane. And, and like we're we're going to be playing this year with. I mean, I think there could be what six or seven um, that have a big role. I mean, just look at them. It's. I mean. Uh, Schooler's going to play. Morgan Stern is going to play. Merriweather's going to play. Jeffers is going to play. Matthews is going to play. Booyah Randall is going to play. And Pierre, the freshman from Florida, or the transfer from Florida is going to – that's seven. Yeah. But how many – I mean, how many snaps are there for linebackers in a Big 12 season when you may have two on the field at, at a given time? Well, maybe, I guess – Maybe I we'll have more. So, yeah, we'll see. And that's the thing. I think I think you're going to use your linebackers 
and I kind of wrote about this a little bit. I think that because of the special team, or the special teams, the secondary improvement that we've made, I think we're going to see maybe some more blitz packages out of Patterson because he can depend on his secondary to cover a little bit. And if that's the case, I think you may like Booyah Randall and Pierre who are playing that will spot. I think you may see both of those get, get in to, ru- to rush the passer a little bit. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Jeffers Jeffers used as a pass rusher some like he was last year. Morgan Stern was the same way. So I could see, you know, hey, you know, get out. Like we'll take a defensive lineman off the field and put two more linebackers on and, you know, have some kind of psycho front where everybody's standing up and you don't know where the pressure's coming from. Because you can depend on the secondary a little more, hopefully, this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, Reggie Pearson – Winning a job or you know being listed as a starter to me is not surprising, but also just uh, general director in that what level said is nickname. Very encouraging. Yeah, is that what? Yeah, that's his. Is that an? Was that already his nickname? I think it I believe was. So yeah, yeah. I I think I've watched some of them from Wisconsin. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if you remember this guy. His name was Victor Hunter. He was like a linebacker in the probably mid two thousands. And they, he was like. He was like five nine. He probably was a. He may not have been a scholarship guy initially. He didn't play a whole lot, but he he was like five nine, two fifty, and he would just. They called him the little ball of hate. Was like his nickname, and he would blow up plays, especially like third and short type. And that is kind of the. This is the nickel corner version of him. Yeah. He's like I don't. You know, we've got him listed at five eleven. I'd be surprised if he's actually that tall. He's not. not a tall guy. He's pretty thick, but his role, he played what in a traditional defense to me is like a nickel at uh, Wisconsin, but it's yeah. kind of more, it's like a safety too, but probably identical to this spur position that we've got him at. Yeah. And it seemed to me like his, his job, he did a ton of tackling near the line of scrimmage. And that's like what that position was for. I mean, he would, was covered, would cover guys obviously, but he was making plays in the flats tackling people in space and, and, and in situations where like there was a, a blocker, you know, it was like the ball's being caught. There's another receiver directly in front of the guy catching it. And then he's just coming in and like tackling both the blocker and the guy <laughs> catching the ball, the yeah. pass, you know, I mean, and it would happen a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, a, in the big 12, I mean, that is one of the most important positions on the field. In yeah. my opinion. Well, I mean, and, we heard out coming out of the closed scrimmage, the play that, you know, I heard from several people was the play. I think it was a similar play like you're talking about. I think that Taj Brooks caught a screen pass and Pearson absolutely leveled him in the backfield and like breaking through a couple of blockers and just hitting him. Like people don't get hit in scrimmages. <laughs> like, I think that's why I heard about it so many times. So that would be a, a welcome sight to say the least. And then, uh, you know, as much as our, we thought maybe our depth was better last year on defense and had improved. And it's kind of a Texas tech typical thing for us to have a walk on from another program who doesn't play very much come over to us and suddenly be thrust into a prominent role, like the Luke Stice example. Oh dear. Uh, and then last year was Morgan Stern. Yeah. And you know, he played, he was, top, he was top five in snaps last year. Yeah. And he wasn't, he wasn't terrible. He, he wasn't terrible and it's not a knock on him and we're going to be using him this year, but I just, you know, if you have a healthy uh, program, 
I would, wouldn't you say that that should, that should, just shouldn't happen, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. That a, a walk-on guy from another program who's a program that's not like, it's not like it was Alabama or something. Yeah, but, it was Duke, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody who can't win a job there comes here and is suddenly one of the best we got. Yeah. I mean, but but I guess my question is, is do you think, you know, where is he going to be in total snaps played on defense for this year? Will it be top five again? No, not unless injuries occur. I mean, I listed all those linebackers to me. I mean, he's last of, of those seven that'll probably maybe ahead of Tyreek Matthews. Just well, even that, I don't know. I, I would say it would be him or Tyreek Matthews. Yeah. 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 So that's another kind of just encouraging thing that I, that I saw. I mean, um, and then our defensive experience, which we've is well documented and we've talked about a ton, but this does not include Rico because He's not listed as a starter. I only used the guy, the first name listed. Yeah. We are averaging 3.8 prior seasons of college football per starter. Wow. And so, you know, it's, these are fifth, just across the board. It's as if we have fifth year guys come playing, you know, by the end of the season, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really crazy. And I, I think everyone will have some of it to some extent. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone will be like us. I, th- I think I counted like something like 35 out of 42 of our guys in our 2D offense and defense are juniors or seniors in terms of uh, their classification. And uh, yeah, and it's that those numbers are similar for our offensive line too, you know, in terms of they, they per starter, it's 3.6 years in college football is what they average. They just play, got a lot of, a lot of old guys, a lot of experience. Yeah which is usually good. You know, we'd never mentioned the defensive line. Um, I mean, like Hutchings and Bradford, those two guys just have to stay healthy to me. I love, and I love that move, the, putting them both at nose. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a, that, that position doesn't play a ton of snaps per game. Yeah. Just by the nature of it. It's almost, you, you, you know, you need two guys that pretty much are going to play the exact same amount. And then really a third. Um, but so it's not like moving Bradford from wherever he was end or tackle. I'm sure he's that. At tackle. And it's not, to me, it's not like he's not going to play that if you need him to. True. Yeah. But I, I, I think in a perfect world, you've got one of them on the field at all times and it's a quality, that's a quality guy. Whereas in the past, we just um, have bodies. You have one maybe that the second one is, is a pretty big drop off. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Devin Drew is kind of, you know, is an older guy that maybe gets lost in the shuffle. But his... he was a, like when he signed as a JUCO guy. I mean, that was not like a small. Like he was a, he was a. If I remember correctly, he was a pretty highly recruited JUCO guy for for us. Uh, yeah, and he would... had good size and was pretty good last last season. And so, yeah. you know, he's Ty- yeah, Tyree Wilson the size is just off the charts and yeah. uh, if he turns so it on if if he is what he what we've heard he could be i mean that changes this entire defensive conversation to me like if he's a if he's like a monster pass rusher like even though we think this defense is going to be pretty good i mean it could be good just good if you could if some if i could tell you that one one guy will be first team all week 12 and it's marquis waters Colin Schooler, Tyree Wilson. I would have yeah. 
I would and have, I'll throw in fields too. Okay, see, that's what I was about to say. With you know, I would go between corner and Wilson, fields and Wilson, just because I think corner and pass rusher are the two most important pieces of a defense. But I think, yeah, I think the answer is Wilson. I'll yeah, just, I think that's where I go to because yeah. I think we got proven. I had to kind of know what we're getting from those other spots and so yeah. you him, but yeah, I agree. Say, so, I mean, throw the whole defense out there. So if you could just pick one guy to be first team all big 12, you would do Tyree Wilson. Yeah. Because if, if he has a first team all big 12 season, then, and we, and the rest of the defense does what we think they're capable of. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Yeah, to I agree. And the, the biggest hole I think on our defense is Pat is a pass rusher. Yeah, and if he yeah, and if he is that, then that hole is filled. You know, uh, Randall is is really old. It's kind of crazy. I mean, this is uh, I want to say he's a 2015 or 2016 high school grad, and he's you know I remember uh, like Michigan State would do those things like Tech did with the posting their I don't know those four times or their miles per hour, yeah. and he was like one of at one time. I mean, he was one of the fastest guys on their team yeah oh yeah and he was when he got here i remember people saying that when he yeah. got here last summer he's a 2016 high school grad which is i mean wow. 16 17 18 19 20 21 so this is a sixth year of college football he's only played 800 snaps 900 really and he started five games he he might be a guy in that that same kind of tyree wilson discussion that if you right, put yeah. one guy to, to be all big 12 because we need pass rusher is something that we desperately need. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. And that's, you talk about something that's typical tech needing a pass rusher is up there. And then with the offense, I guess really no big surprises there. Right. No, there's no surprises. Uh, I'm just trying to look, I mean, the inside receiver rotation will be uh, interesting to me. Yes. Because it's like all three of those guys are proven. The I mean, thing that's interesting to me is like when Mannix transferred from Nevada, I mean, he was like a, I mean, he was very highly touted. Like we expected a lot. Absolutely. And he hasn't lived up to that for whatever reason, but apparently like he's had an awesome spring and summer and fall camp and to, for him to get snaps, especially over price, but Rigdon too is, that would mean that he had an awesome spring and summer and fall camp because that would yeah. be the only explanation. And he, he's another guy that when they would post those times, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. Yeah. And they pass those like miles, you know, miles per hour times. Um, yeah. And he's played 1600 snaps, which is yeah. a ton. Um, yes. So I mean, if he's finally figured it out in Lubbock, that's, that's huge. That's just another, because uh, I mean, you know, after we've talked about it, after he's a comma, there's not a lot of proven pass catchers. And so the only the only guy who's played more offensive snaps um, than him. Well, I mean, the only guy on our offense, because this would eliminate Seth Collins the way I framed, framed that earlier. Yeah. Did not. The only guy playing offense for us who has played more snaps is Dawson Beaton. So yeah. he's yeah. And, and from a production standpoint, he's caught as many passes and has as many yards as pretty much anyone. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, that, that, the, that, uh, rotation will be interesting. Uh, well, and the, I don't... And the, thing, the thing that's nice is this isn't Yoast. So two of those guys will be on the field 
can be theoretically it's possible it was not, yeah, it wasn't yeah. possible before no and i would i would bet at least a third of the time we're four wide i don't know that that's just uh, that's just a guess on my part and so uh, i would i would assume like it'd be hard to take price off the field if if i were cumby just because we've heard wow. like, he's just different like yeah. his burst is just different like it's Jakeem like, but even different from that because he's not quite as shifty, but he's a little more straight line. So it's, um, I w- it wouldn't strike me to have two of those three guys on the field a lot. Um, yeah. But I mean, the outside guys is pretty much what we thought. It's still kind of surprising to me that Geiger, the transfer from Troy, is the like I just always assumed he was an inside guy based on his size. But uh, I guess yeah. he's, I mean, where he played in Troy. Yeah. Well, inside. I mean, like. If you just look at look at the guys surrounding him at the X and Z position, six four, six four, six three, six five, and then him at five ten, like it just doesn't fit. That's why it's just interesting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's maybe like a change of pace thing. Yeah, um, but we, you know, we just to to hint at the Houston depth chart a little bit. Their best corner is five eight, and you heard those heights I just listed. So I would assume that might be a little bit of the game plan. Yeah, Saturday. we talked about some some U of H. They do, they go uh, like I guess their starter five nine, five eight, six foot, five eleven, five eleven. Yeah. And just from my experience since depth charts, the five the any if you're listed under six foot, there's probably an inch added to your, or even if you're six foot, there's probably yeah. some height added. I mean, they, so they have some small guys, but their smallest, Marcus Jones who's 5'8", 185, is kind of, he's thought up to be an NFL-type guy. I think if you ask just, like, random people, they would probably say he's the best cornerback that will be on the field yeah. um, Saturday. And so that might not, be true, but 5'8", covering 6'4". It's is, tough. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't care how good you are. So uh, it might be a big day for, like, we've heard good things about Sparkman, about Cleveland. They're both 6'4". You know, it wouldn't shock me. It, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if Houston – puts him on Izukama and like just follows him around. Oh um, who's six uh, three two who's six three two twenty. So yeah. Izukama <laughs> is a grown man. I mean that's I he will he will um that will be a kind of an I could maybe something that NFL folks a good test for him, right? If he can co- cover him and really it's tackling as a comma. That's the problem. In my from watching him. That's that's a he, good point. He does not go down easy. No. Uh, um something that may surprise people is the the freshman tight end, speaking of height, he's listed at 6'9", 250. Mason Tharp is the backup tight end. Um, and Koontz is a guy that I think has done a good job in his role. It has just not been used correctly. Like, I think he is a talented player who does who blocks as a tight end like you should and who, when he has had the chance in the passing game, has looked at least adequate and yet, just hasn't gotten his due, I would say, in terms of target. So I'm not worried about tight end. I mean, if it's kind of – I think fresh being a freshman playing tight end might be a little tough, but when you're 6'9", 250, maybe not. Yeah, and I'm not worried about tight end because if it's not a productive position – Yeah, Cubby won't use it. <laughs> we just may not use one. Yeah. Um, you know, the offensive line, I think – it may have been level. I can't remember who said it pointed it out well. I mean, like, you're good. Your first five are good. And I agree with that. It's like after that, that that might be the problem. Not necessarily a problem, but it's just unproven. Because uh, what we saw out of Card last year, Ethan Card, the swing tackle, wasn't that great. Um, but 
you know, no. Landon Peterson is pushing the two guys at the guard spots, which is always good to hear. Uh, Larry Moore, uh, the freshman, he's pushing guys at the tackle spot, which is good to hear. So who knows, but any of those first five go down, you are unproven to say the least. Yeah. Uh, that that kind of, I mean, unless you have something to say about the old line, that kind of goes into like Houston strength. I mean, their D line. Yeah. And I, it, I think, so. I think most would agree that's their strength, but I think uh, pro football focus said they've got either the best or second best defensive line in the, among the group of five. And they've got one, one guy, maybe their best NFL prospect. Who's not Marcus Jones. The corner is a interior guy, Logan Hall, who they have at six six two eighty kind of a Tyree Wilson build. Um, and then, so I'm sure he's going to be pretty good. They've got two good pass rushers, David and nine, David Parrish, I think are their other names. Parrish is the last name of the other one. They've just both played a ton yeah, um, and, and have a lot of production. Um, but, you know, uh, what's, I agree. I like their defense. Haven't looked at them, their personnel. They've got, it's similar to ours. They're old. They have, I think maybe, I counted 15 out of the 22 guys in there too deep on defense for transfers, JUCO or, yeah. or otherwise. Um, one maybe small difference is that they're not transfers from this year. They've tra- they transferred in earlier and have played some. Yeah. But um, but it, anyway, in any event, you know they gave up. They allowed 2.3 points per possession last year. They only lose. They lost two guys from that defense, and like that's not that good. I mean, it's like mid 60s kind of where tech is. Yeah. And it's like, if, if they, they, it's almost like to me, it seems like they're getting the benefit of the doubt. Whereas tech production was very similar defensively last year. We return everybody. Yeah. Um, but, but, and we played in a tougher conference, played a much tougher schedule, but yet it's just kind of a oh typical, you know, most people would say that tech has a terrible defense just because it's tech. And whereas at U of H very similar output last year is, thought of as having the second best defense in the group of five. I, I think our defenses are similar, um, probably better than um, what I, I think we're probably better than what people think. And they're maybe not as good as what people think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of my thought on this game as a whole. I think the just persona of Houston the past five years and tech the past five years really sway the opinions on this game. Like, I would be shocked if anybody nationally picks tech. Like I would be shocked, man, shocked, maybe a little much, but I will, I will be pleasantly surprised if anybody nationally picks tech, just because you look at it, tech has been a laughing stock for five years. Houston has been the best, one of the best group of five. I mean, that seems easy money to me, you know, if I'm an outsider looking in. So, but I think that goes to your defensive point. I just think they might be a little overrated uh, and tech might be a little underrated. Their offensive line is very similar to ours, just in terms of they've got a six-year super senior type transfer from Louisiana Tech. They've got a transfer with a great name from Aggie. His name's Tank Jenkins, like some four-star guy. Never played at AM. Yeah. And they've got three uh, returning starters. So it's like a, they're old like us. And, um, but the biggest, I think the biggest question mark from people who cover U of H is like skill, offensive skill guys. And um, there, people are really high on their running back. Mulba Carr is his name. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they 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 could not run the ball last year. I mean, his he had a negative EPA per rush, which is not good. 
Um, like Sir Roderick was multipliers more productive than him. And Sir Roderick even last year was not as good as he was the year before. Um, then they've got, you know, they lost uh, two of their, be- let's see, they lost at least, I think they lost three of their top four targets from pass catcher standpoint from last year, either to graduation or guys transferring. And then of course they bring in Keyshawn Carter, uh, but they've got, like to me, this is just this would never happen on this year's tech team. They've got a small guy who looks very similar to me, uh, transfer from Old Dominion, who played 30 games there and had 11 catches in their 2D. His name is Jake Herslow. I mean, so I don't, I, I don't. He think will, that, he will catch a touchdown guaranteed for sure. He would, but <laughs> I, I don't think he would be in our two deep um, yeah. this year. But it, they've also they've got. I don't know how fast they are, but they're really small. Their receivers, they're like five, they're like up the 590. It's almost like we talked about with our receivers versus their DBs. Like our DBs are huge compared to their receivers, just like our receivers were huge compared to their uh or our DBs are huge compared to their receivers. Uh I thought it was interesting. I was looking at Clayton Toon's uh PFF grades, their quarterback. He is really good when he is kept clean and when he is not blitzed. Uh, I mean, his, his passer rating when he is kept clean is like 95. Uh, when he's not blitzed, it's 84. But when he's under pressure, it's 40. And when, it, when he is blitzed, uh, his, his passer rating is okay, but his grade is be, you know, below 65. And you know, some guys are you know, Mahomes is famously good when getting blitzed uh, because he he could see the openings a little quicker. But um, so it'll be interesting to see. It goes back to our pass rush conversation. If we have guys that can get pressure on him, that might, you know, help us a little. Obviously, it'll help us some. But because Tune seems kind of like Shuck is our guy. If he plays well, who knows where we go? I think Tune is similar for them. He had very up and down year last year. So it'll be interesting, which is it the October tune or the end of the season tune that comes out for them? Yeah. Because pro football focus loves Clayton tune. Yeah. His rating there, his little individual grade and 84 is like really, really good. Yeah. Um, I think you, you mentioned that October versus November, I think some, he played much better in October. Um, but his completion percentage is not great, but although it seems like they were throwing the ball downfield uh, more than we were, so it's you know he has more of a legitimate completion percentage. But you can say that about one, a lot of people. The one thing I noticed, he doesn't scramble a lot. Look, his scramble rate last year was six percent, which is not terribly high, but he was he's very effective when he runs. Yeah, yeah, very very effective. So, um, you know, with Tune, he I've dogged him, and I've heard a lot of people dog him, but um, I've. I've read a lot from, from people who are pretty smart that a guy who's played, this is his fourth year of college football. has played a lot of snaps uh, there, you know, the fourth year quarterbacks tend to be pretty decent. I mean, there's only, they can't, there's only so they have a floor, you know, that's not terribly low that they, that they play at generally yeah. um, like experience at quarterback is, is uh, something that's very predictive going forward. Um, and he's got a, a ton of it. So he's, he is probably, the much it, like in terms of where tech fans are underestimating U of H, 
I would I would say it's probably Toon is where we are underestimating them the most. Not to say he's great, but we think he's terrible. He's, he's, he's probably not even anywhere close to terrible. He's probably, you know, Tyler Shuck's first game, he's probably going to be close to that in terms of how good he'll be on Saturday. That's just my guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I would just be – and this would be probably – a bad opinion. I would be disappointed if Chuck played to Tunes level. Like I would, I would expect more from Chuck, and that might be unfair. And then maybe what I said, it'll be relative because I'm, I think we have a good defense. So I think um, Tune could play well, and it not look that great because because we because our defense shows up if that okay. makes sense yeah yeah uh, i get what you're saying yeah and like, so like shuck might outperform in the box score yeah but if you flip them and you put shuck on their team and you know he would look i guess that's what i'm saying if okay. you put shuck with them uh and he played his first game on saturday it would be a similar to the way tune would play is okay. that i guess yeah that that makes more sense uh and <clears throat> the thing that Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was about to move on to a different topic. No, oh, yeah, you're good. You're good. Yeah, I would. We've been on that too long. Go ahead. I'm most intrigued with the total of the game, 65 oh, points. Looked, okay, six. Okay. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I think Dana, from watching in the last couple years and then his last years at West Virginia, was like it was one of the slowest-paced offenses in the Big 12 when he was at West Virginia. I think um, Cumby could be will be much slower uh, paced than what we were in the past. Uh, week one totals uh, tend to be very, very, very tied to prior performance, and so baked into that total will be a number of projected possessions that are tainted by Yost. I think yeah. you know at just how fast we played. Um, it's it's not it's not terribly high, you know, so it's, it's a, the market I think is, has an understanding of what I'm saying to some extent, you know, right. that, that it's lower, lower than I kind of expected it to be. How many, how many tech, like tech Arizona state from a few years ago, like wasn't that, that was like such a high over. Right. Yeah. It was in the eighties. Yeah. 87. And we, we had a run there and I was tracking it on the site where yeah. the top 10 highest opening totals in the history of college football, you know, like five of them were, from tech in a two-year span. Yeah. It was just insane. But, uh, like, probably even that one where we – the Bowman as a freshman playing them in Lubbock. That Oh, yeah. And that, that, one, was, that lived up to it. Right. Uh, but, yeah, for this one, I think, you know, I think it could be a low-scoring kind of grinded-out type game, which might surprise people. Um, I think if, I, if you ask me to give a, a, a score prediction, I, I might go 30 – to 20 tech yeah i was complaining about that i haven't totally decided but i was a little higher scoring than that i was thinking like i i i may change my mind before saturday i think tech's gonna win convincingly like i was thinking like 38 17 with maybe a late score to make it 38 24 like i don't know and i could be crazy uh and i usually i usually am so this this is I can't remember the last time I felt this strongly about betting on tech. <laughs> it's, it's scary. Although 
you can ask people. One of the times was when we played West Virginia in uh, 2012 and beat them by like 60. Oh, well, there you go. I was was about to ask, when have other times have you felt so confident? Uh, I'm normally anti. I'm normally feeling confident the other way. Yeah. Um, But it's it's rare. I I really I have stronger opinions on the total uh, for tech games, but um, I've got way too much money on tech already. Um, I had to like I was betting Little League World Series and I was having trouble like getting down on the games as much as I wanted. And so I would be limited. I could place a bet on the game. But if I wanted to put more, I had to tie it up into parlays. Yeah. So like if I wanted to bet on California minus two and a half, I could I would max bet it. And then I was like, well, I want more on that. So then I'd have to open up a parlay and bet them as a parlay. And then I had to find. And so like what I was just doing in the, in the heat of the moment was <laughs> doing tech, throwing tech on par on these parlays. So I was doing it in the heat of the moment of betting on California versus South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> that was, did I tell you about that? That was a, uh, no, you did not <laughs> lock of the century. I, I gave it out to as many people as I could. California, South Dakota, that was the one where uh, the kid threw the no hitter. I saw that. Yeah, the the total opened ten and a half, <laughs> ten and a half rounds. Okay, the, this just and okay. So this, we'll go on a tangent. I, t- I said this last time we talked. I said, here's a tip: do not bet on NFL, NBA, the big money market sports. Yeah. Find find the the markets where you have limits, it's low limits, because those are the ones that are susceptible. You know, they they do bad lines there. And so in this matchup, it was California's ace, who was he was good. I, I watched him a little bit. And then South Dakota, who he threw 100 innings, Little League through All-Stars from 46 feet, which is the dimensions. He allowed one hit, literally 100 innings. He allowed one hit. Yeah. Okay. So this total opens 10 and a half. I mean, it should have been like four. And, uh, and so I'm like, I, you know. Do I try refreshing the screen to make sure I'm seeing it correctly and telling, getting down as much as I can on it before I tell people and before it gets out. And I think it closed like the total, like five or six. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff you can never get that in an NBA game like, or in a major league baseball game. You're never going to bet 10 and a half under, and then it's going to close at six or five. And then of course the score, it literally should have been zero, zero. There was an unearned run score. It was, the final score was one zero with an unearned run. That was, yeah. <laughs> so but, you tied some of that to the tech under is what you're telling me. No, I tied that to tech. Okay. Yeah. Tech. I should have done the under. Um, oh, but, so you just text straight up or not straight yeah, up. But. I was having to go fast because the line moves, you know, right. the, the literally totals can literally lines move fast. you got to act what a ridiculous fast. sentence. That you you got to wake up early in the mornings <laughs> to get on them uh, because you don't know when they're going to open. And, uh, but yeah, literally was a, a good, we had a good run and literally. That's for true. I'm, I'm, I hope, I hope that uh, that continues <laughs> to Saturday. Uh but I was looking through my notes just to see if we had anything else, if I had anything else on Houston. I think just to point out before we go, <clears throat> Houston was noticed, like I said, a football outsiders, both offensive and defensive. We were separated by one. Uh, they were noticeably better special teams wise. And that's not hard to do when our special teams was absolutely horrendous. And so, so bad that may be, like it's games like this. If we think it's going to be close, we can, yeah, that's where special teams comes into play. And so if it's not improved, 
I may change my tune on the entire season very quickly. And so here's what I'm hoping. I, I was at, I'm glad you said that because I, I was thinking about this while I was driving home from work today, our, our special teams. And uh, I was number one, it being the first game of the season, this is sad to say, but it being the first game of the season, we were getting punts blocked last year frequently. Yes. And I think some of we, there will be a much smaller chance of that because odds are we've kind of changed things in terms of our formation and we would, there won't be, there won't be film for them, for the other coach to be like, look what they're doing. We're going to just do this and block a punt. It's going to be easy money. So I think I'm pretty sure that's what Texas did. I listened to them afterwards and that is the case. They had a, something that they saw when they blocked that punt where they felt confident about it. Same with Kansas state um, when they did that. So (laughs) I'm, hopeful that we won't have a punt block because it's the first game of the season. Um, okay. That's better. Cause I was thinking the opposite. I was thinking like special teams might, you know, lag behind a little bit because it is the first game. It's hard to get real good reps, special teams, reps in practice. So I hope you're correct. And the thing is, as you know, I look at a lot of uh, it's EPA expected points added. Okay. Yeah. And how many, how much each play impacts the final score of the game or had has a tendency to impact the final score of the game. And special teams just like doesn't matter. But the only time it does matter is like when you were as bad as like our special teams last year was impacting the game. I mean, it's, it's, it's like there's only like 10 uh, teams per year that do it in a negative way. And there's only like 10 teams that do it in a positive way. The rest of the, the rest of us, the rest of the 90 teams, their special teams really doesn't come into play. I mean, you maybe can point to one single like kick return or something um, that had an uh, impact in the game, but just as a whole, when you aggregate all of them, they don't matter. But like ours did last year, and it's hard to be, it's like hard to fit within that range of of the teams that have special teams that impact the game in such a huge way. Oh yeah, we've got it's got to become a non-factor. I mean, yes, yes, exactly. Just, and that's- we, our our margin for error in all these games is so slim that like that cannot be something that is impacting games. Yes. Just can't. That's all we're asking be a non-factor. And that's not even going into all the stats on how like we're starting field position, how important that is in the points you score on a drive. Like that's not even going into that. So just be average and we'll be fine. That's all we're asking. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm very excited. The moment something terrible happens, I'll be very angry. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just ready for all of it. So I'm too. I'm, I'll be there. Are you can, yeah, you're not going to be there, right? No, yeah. no, not going to be there. Uh, I, will be there. I, I am going to be on the radio here. So I'm on a little pregame, listen to Double T973. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, what man. time? So, uh, we'll, we'll be, I'll have you, uh, I'll have the phone plan or I'll be listening in. Uh, two to five, me and Casey Cowan will be on two to five. So nice. Yeah. So you, will might be... hear, you might hear a repeat of this, <laughs> everything I said on this. Oh, no worries. Yeah. Um, I'll be at the game with a couple of Red Raider sports guys run the draw. Um, Ben Golan, Benjamin Golan. Uh, I'm sure he'll be there. Um, crash his bachelor party. Is is that what he's at? Oh, so yeah. I, we, I, the last time we played U of H, I was at, it coincided with one of my friend's bachelor parties and uh it's like you know how do you remember how hot it was i've heard about it yeah it was so hot 
uh, like half the group like made it to the game in the third quarter. Uh, one guy got like uh, let got got separated from us when we were leaving, and he came back. He got jumped by like some U of H guy. <laughs> he was all beat up. Uh, but we won. That was a good time. Yeah, that's we, all that matters. We, we almost because uh, people are talking crap. I guess are mad about who are about RG three. Oh yeah, mad. I don't. I think he's probably going to be good. Do you remember who did that for the the tech last time we played played them in U of H? I remember it being a story, but I can't remember who did it. It's Tommy Tuberville. Oh yeah. <laughs> and when we were leaving that game, and of course we were pretty uh, fired up. He was leaving, and he had like an armed, or he needed one. My memory, because people were like about converging on his car, tech yeah. fans, like trying to take him. I mean, it looked like a scene from like the middle east yeah like him trying to exit the stadium and like people coming after him and stuff <laughs> that was probably deserved uh but yeah so if you're going have a great time if you're not watch it and just experience it go through the if you're not going i mean if you're in the area i talked to a guy who's on redder sports who's going to be in katie and I, he has a baby okay yeah. He's going to be in Katy. Um, I think he has a newborn. And so there's just like an important trip where his wife's parents, I think, are going to be the, with the baby. And he's like, eh, I'm not really planning on going. I'm like, so you're, you live in Dallas and you're going to be in Katy. And text plan, we're in the middle. I mean, do you want us to be in the Sun Belt? Is my question. <laughs> if you're not going to this game, that's, that's the appropriate response. Very, very good. Yes. I like that. Listen to that. If you want us to be in the Sun Belt, don't go to the game. That's the message from Hunter. That's the message from this podcast. So we'll end on that. All right, man. Well, looking forward to uh, talking about a win next week and breaking down. I don't even know who we play next. I don't care. Let's just get through Houston and we'll figure it out then. So, all right. Talk to you later. Sounds good. Later.